Chapter forty five of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter forty five concerning a little rehearsal in captain clough's lodging and a certain confidence between dr stirk and mr dangerfield mrs stirk though very quiet was an active little body with a gentle anxious face she was up and about very early and ran down to the king's house to ask mrs colonel stafford who was very kind to her and a patroness of stirk's to execute a little commission for her in dublin as she understood she was going into town that day and the doctor's horse had gone lame and was in the hands of the farrier so the good lady undertook it and offered a seat in her carriage to dr stirk should his business call him to town the carriage would be at the door at half-past eleven and as she trotted home for her barney's breakfast hour was drawing nigh whom should she encounter upon the road just outside the town but their grim spectacled benefactor dangerfield accompanied by and talking in his usual short way to nutter the arch-enemy who to say truth looked confoundedly black and she heard the silver spectacles say tis you understand my own thoughts only i speak mr nutter the fright and the shock of seeing nutter so near her made her salutation a little awkward and she had besides an instinctive consciousness that they were talking about the terrible affair of yesterday dangerfield on meeting her bid nutter good morning suddenly and turned about with mrs stirk who had to slacken her pace a little for the potent agent chose to walk rather slowly a fine morning after all the rain madam how well the hills look and he pointed across the liffey with his cane and the view down the river and he turned about pointing towards inchicore i believe he wanted to see how far nutter was behind him he was walking in the opposite direction looking down on the curbstones of the footpath and touching them with his cane as if counting them as he proceeded dangerfield nodded and his spectacles in the morning sun seemed to flash two sudden gleams of lightning after him i've been giving nutter a bit of my mind madam about that procedure of his he's very angry with me but a great deal more so with your husband who has my sympathies with him and i think i'm safe in saying he's likely soon to have an offer of employment under my lord castle mallard if it suits him and he walked on and talked of other things in short sentences and parted with mrs stirk with a grim brief kindness at the door and so walked with his wiry step away from the brass castle where his breakfast awaited him and he disappeared round the corner of martin's row and which way was he going when you met him and that that nutter demanded stirk who was talking in high excitement and not being able to find an epithet worthy of nutter 
made it up by his emphasis and his scowl she told him hmm then he can't get my note yet she looked at him in a way that plainly said what note but Stirk said no more and he had trained her to govern her curiosity as dangerfield passed captain clough's lodgings he heard the gay tinkle of a guitar and an amorous duet not altogether untunefully sung to that accompaniment and he beheld little lieutenant puttock's back with a broad scarlet and gold ribbon across it supporting the instrument on which he was industriously thrumming at the window while clough who was emitting a high note with all the tenderness he could throw into his robust countenance and one of those involuntary distortions which in amateurs will sometimes accompany a vocal effort caught the eye of the cynical wayfarer and stopped short with a disconcerted little cough and a shake of his chops and a grim rather red nod and good morning mr dangerfield puttick also saluted still thrumming a low chord or two as he did so for he was not ashamed like his stout playmate and saw nothing incongruous in their early minstrelsy the fact is these gallant officers were rehearsing a pretty little entertainment they designed for the ladies at belmont it was a serenade in short and they had been compelled to postpone it in consequence of the broken weather and though both gentlemen were of course romantically devoted to their respective objects yet there were no two officers in his majesty's service more bent upon making love with a due regard to health and comfort than our friends clough and puttock puttock indeed was disposed to conduct it in the true masquerading spirit leaving the ladies to guess at the author's of that concord of sweet sounds with which the amorous air of night was to quiver round the walls and groves of belmont and clough externally acquiescing had yet made up his mind if a decent opportunity presented to be detected and made prisoner and that the honest troubadours should sup on a hot broil and sip some of the absent general's curious madeira at the feet of their respective mistresses with all the advantage which a situation so romantic and so private would offer so tinkle tinkle twang twang thrum went the industrious and accomplished puttock's guitar and the voices of the enamoured swains kept tolerable tune and time and puttock would say don't you think captain clough would perhaps go better if we weren't to try that shake upon a do let's try the last two barth without it and i'm sorry to trouble you but just once more if you please but hard is the chafe my thad heart must pursue while daphne sweet daphne twill flieth from my view puttick indeed had strict notions about rehearsing and on occasions like this assumed managerial airs and in a very courteous way took the absolute command of captain clough who sang till he was purple and his belts and braces cracked again 
not venturing to mutiny though he grumbled a little aside so when dangerfield passed clough's lodging again returning on his way into chapel is it the songsters were at it still and he smiled his pleasant smile once more and nodded at poor old clough who this time was very seriously put out and flushed up quite fiercely and said almost in a mutiny hang it puttick i believe you'd keep a fellow singing ballads over the street all day didn't you see that cursed fellow dangerfield sneering at us curse him i suppose he never heard a gentleman sing before and by jove puttick you know you do make a fellow go over the same thing so often it's enough to make a dog laugh a minute after dangerfield had mounted stirk's doorsteps and asked to see the doctor he was ushered upstairs and into the back drawing-room which we know so well stirk rose as he entered your most obedient mr dangerfield said the doctor with an anxious bow good morning sir said dangerfield i've got your note and am here in consequence what can i do stirk glanced at the door to see it were shut and then said mr dangerfield i've recollected a uh, something you have oh well my good sir you i know were acquainted with with charles archer stirk looked for a moment on the spectacles and then dropped his eyes charles archer answered dangerfield promptly yes to be sure but charles you know got into trouble and tis not an acquaintance you or i can boast of and in fact we must not mention him and i have long ceased to know anything of him but i've just remembered his address and there's something about his private history which i very well know and which gives me a claim upon his kind feeling and he's now in a position to do me a material service and there's no man living mr dangerfield has so powerful an influence with him as yourself will you use it in my behalf and attach me to you by lasting gratitude stirk looked straight at dangerfield and dangerfield looked at him quizzically perhaps a little ashamed in return after a short pause i will said dangerfield with a sprightly decision but you know charles is not a fellow to be trifled with eh and we must not mention his name you understand or hint where he lives or anything about him in short that's plain answered stirk you're going into town mrs stirk tells me in mrs strafford's carriage well when you return this evening put down in writing what you think charles can do for you and i'll take care he considers it i thank you sir said stirk solemnly and harkee you'd better go about your business in town you see just as usual twill excite inquiry if you don't so you must in this and other things proceed exactly as i direct you said dangerfield exactly sir depend on't answered stirk good day said dangerfield adieu said the doctor 
and they shook hands gravely on the lobby dangerfield encountered mrs stirk and had a few pleasant words with her patting the bull heads of the children and went downstairs smiling and nodding and mrs stirk hopped quietly into the study and found her husband leaning on the chimney-piece and swabbing his face with his handkerchief strangely pale and looking as the good lady afterwards said for all the world as if he had seen a ghost End of chapter forty five recording by john brandon